Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. At the base of the serene Berkeley Hills sits a pretty loud traffic circle. More than 30,000 cars tear around it every day, and for some, it can be a little daunting. During the holidays, where you'll get people and they'll be driving the wrong way around the circle. That's Charlie Wilson, a landscape architect and a member of the Friends of the Fountain and Walk, which brings us to why we're at this circle, the thing at its center. We have a a two-tier fountain that has a spray at the top and it drops water through two bowls to a large 25-foot diameter basin. The fountain is made of concrete. It's about the height of a basketball hoop. And sitting at the center of the fountain are four bears. They have their backs against the central pillar and each is facing a different direction. They're grizzly bear cubs, but they're really cute. They look more like teddy bears. They're sort of acting as holding up the upper bowl of the fountain. They kind of have their arms to their side and they kind of in a squatting procedure. Now this fountain has become a symbol of the neighborhood. It's inspired paintings, drawings, even library cards. Altogether, it's quite a sight. It's lit at night, so when you come upon it at night, it's pretty spectacular. Sometimes they take two turns around the circle just because it looks so cool. And going around the circle, most of the street names follow a particular theme. They're all California counties. Okay, we have Marin, Los Angeles, we have Del Norte, we have Mendocino. We're between Los Angeles and Mendocino, basically. Bay Curious got a listener question asking to know more about the history of the Bear Fountain. Turns out this unassuming roundabout is the site of a power struggle that could have reshaped California history. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and you're listening to Bay Curious, the show where we answer listener questions about the Bay Area. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Bay Curious intern Maggie Galloway was eight years old when she moved to Berkeley, just a few blocks away from the fountain. And Maggie now brings us the story. There's a special place in my heart for the fountain at the circle. Earlier, you might have been wondering, who doesn't know how to use a traffic circle? Me, that's who. When I first got my license, I accidentally exited that circle the wrong way down a one-way street. I ended up having to make a three-point turn back into the roundabout. 
The story of this Berkeley circle starts at the turn of the 20th century, when Berkeley went from open grasslands and rolling hillsides to a boom town. During this time, between 1900 and 1910, Berkeley tripled its population from 13,000 to 40,000. That's Chuck Wallenberg, a former professor at Berkeley City College and author of Berkeley, A City in History. And a big chunk of it were people from the earthquake but also the university was growing very rapidly, and maybe most dramatically of all, a big electric trolley system was being created in Berkeley so people could live in Berkeley and easily commute to downtown Oakland and downtown San Francisco. And this growing population meant that there was a lot of development. Enter Louis Titus, a big deal developer. He owned a thousand acres right where the fountain sits today. Titus had grand plans for that particular tract. He announced his proposal at a Chamber of Commerce meeting in February of 1907. A bombshell exploded in Town Hall last night, the echo of which is today resounding throughout the entire state when the proposition to move the state capital from Sacramento to Berkeley was proposed amid a scene of the greatest enthusiasm Berkeley ever witnessed. Titus proposed moving the capital to Berkeley, which would have made his development plans very valuable. But why would other people have supported the move? Wallenberg says one idea. Bring the capital back down to the Bay Area where the action was, where the university was. The legislators might have been open to the idea because the current building was starting to run out of room and Sacramento was uncomfortably hot in the summer. A bunch of sweaty politicians all crammed together with no air conditioning? Of course you'd want to leave. Local historian Trish Hawthorne, who has published essays on this topic, says that others were concerned about Sacramento's lively bar scene and liked that Berkeley was a dry city. And so the legislators would be much more likely to do their duty. Locals liked the plan because the move would profit Berkeley tremendously, and so things moved pretty quickly from there. It was voted and approved locally, and then they invited legislators down to Berkeley to look at the site. And by March, it's been approved in Sacramento, and the governor has signed it. All this took less than a month, from the first mention in February of 1907 to the governor's signature in March, which put the proposal on the ballot for the next general election a year and a half later. Titus began developing the hills, and to make the deal sweeter, he planned to donate 40 acres for the eventual capital site. The now infamous roundabout was built in 1907 and was to be a possible grand entrance. And the reason those streets are named after California counties? Hawthorne says maybe they thought if they named a street after your county, you consider voting for the move. But before Californians could vote in 1908, the nation, and in turn California, were gripped by an economic downturn. There was a big boom after the earthquake, but then there was also, not exactly a crash, but a recession, because so much building had been done and so much capital expended. So things weren't looking as good by November of 1908. With this recession, Californians might have been less excited to spend money on a big move. So the measure lost, by a lot. 
It only passed in Alameda, San Francisco, and Santa Clara counties. It failed everywhere else. Apparently naming a nice avenue wasn't enough. I think LA was probably feeling competitive as well, and certainly the Sacramento County and area. And it turns out that whole dry city idea? Wallenberg says it didn't go over so well with the liquor lobbyists who really wanted a good bar scene in the capital. Hawthorne adds there was suspicion the move was nothing more than a ploy to drum up business for Titus and other developers. Whatever the case, Californians voted not to move their capital in 1908. But what if the capital had moved? While our legislators could have enjoyed more temperate weather, the history of the Bay Area probably would have taken a different course. For example, Wallenberg wonders how it might have changed the free speech movement in the 1960s. When you look back at that period and think of the way in which Berkeley and the political activists, their contest with Governor Reagan, if that contest, instead of being 70 or 80 miles away, was a mile and a half away, it would have changed the environment of that, of that era tremendously, I think. And what would it have meant for the culture of Berkeley? It would have been a much more institutional feel overall. So I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. Though the Capitol was never built, the circle in its streets remained, and a fountain was added to its center, the Bear Fountain. It was installed three years after the vote failed. The new fountain was considered the crown jewel of the development. It was even advertised as Berkeley's first work of public art. The fountain and circle were designed by John Galen Howard, one of the main architects of UC Berkeley's campus. He designed the Campanile and Sather Gate. And those cute little grizzly bear cubs? Those were sculpted by Arthur Putnam, whose snarling jaguar is featured at the Met and whose sphinxes stand guard outside the De Young. I think we're lucky that they decided to go ahead with the fountain because the whole circle and the fountain are a wonderful way to connect all those streets. But secondly, it's a reminder of a way to find the past in the present with something we live with every day and enjoy. That said, those cute grizzly cubs we see today aren't the originals. In 1957, the fountain was destroyed by a runaway roofing truck. I guess I'm not the only one who has trouble with the circle. The fountain was rebuilt in 1993, bringing together the Friends of the Fountain and Walk. Today, members like Charlie Wilson, who we heard at the beginning of the episode, help the city maintain the circle, decorate it for the holidays, and educate the public on its history. And there's one thing Wilson wants you to know. Keep your dish detergent out of the fountain. Please tell people not to soak the fountain. It's like funny for five seconds, and then it's a maintenance problem for us. You heard it here, folks. And make sure you look out for those one-way streets. That was Bay Curious intern Maggie Galloway. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks also to Anne Harlow and the Berkeley Historical Society for their help on today's story. If you like what you've heard, do us a solid and leave a rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. Or better yet, share your Bay Curious fandom with a friend. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a big difference for us. And it's a super easy way you can support the show. Thanks. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Ellen Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? 
Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.